Episode 219 of the Bevan James Isle Show, an interview with Cam Calcoon. Radio team, welcome along to episode 219 of the Bevan James Oz Show, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. I have to say, I am happy to have today's show to you because I have an amazing interview with a young man by the name of, well, he's probably about the same age as me, maybe a little bit older, a little bit younger, sorry. I, you know, I have got into the habit of calling people young man, young ladies, you know, how you going young man, you know, because I'm mid-40s now, you can kind of do that. Uh, but Cam is uh, a phenomenal story. Uh, cerebral palsy, and he's just an example of there's no limits in life, man. And what's really, oh, I'm, just, I'm not going to do a long intro today because the interview is so great. And Cam is just such an inspiration in regards to attitude and to what you can achieve and to, um, he calls it being awesome. Um, yeah, just, I'm not, I'm not even going to muck around. Let's, let's do patrons first. So first of all, I just want to say a massive thank you to the patrons of the show. If you are a patron of the show, thank you so much for being a patron of the show because... Uh, really, I'm going to be honest, at times you probably keep the show going. I'm not going to deny it because I've got to busy with other things and the patrons have just been really awesome. Uh, and if you aren't a patron and you want to become a patron, just go to Bevan James Isles, click on podcast. And once you go to podcast, you go to support me and that will take you through the Patreon page. And what you do is you just donate a little bit of your hard-earned money my way each time I release the show. And when you do, you get a cool Bevan James Isles show nickname. And these are some of the people who have become patrons. Uh, we've got Ruel, Street Fighter Brico. We've got John. Josh, Complete Grit Alice, we've got Sabrina, the number one pick, we've got Ruth, On Fire News Stub, and we've got George Street, Monopoly Man Street. Uh, yeah, so if you're a patron, please support the show, that's a way, one way you can do it. Um, um, that's the intro. Now, you know me, because I can normally waffle on for 20 minutes before I even get to the main stage of the show, but Cam just needs to stage, because this guy's an absolute rock star. So here is my interview with Cam right now. Okay, team, I'm very happy to have a man by the name of Ken Calcoon on the show today. He is a speaker, he's a bit of an inspirational character, and he's got a really fascinating story. Welcome along to the show. No, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Where do we start? So maybe maybe tell us tell us a bit about yourselves and give us a bit of insight to kind of your history and where you are today. Yeah, so I guess the first thing people are going to be picking up is, man, this guy sounds a bit different. No, what's up with his voice? So... I was born with cerebral palsy, a physical disability, which affects the way in which messages travel around my body. But I grew up in an awesome environment. Mum, dad, people in my life who really just opportunity-centric and realised that life, life is a reflection of what you see, what you do, and what you create. So ever since I was that kid, in a sand pit at school, I would have the biggest, most crazy, most wild dreams, and uh, and life just turned into an awesome ride. So, so even though you, you know, you were different because you you, you had your cerebral palsy. Yeah. The, the, the attitude your parents brought you up with was what? So you know, this COVID season has been really 
interesting because we've all been presented with something that we weren't prepared for, couldn't expect, didn't have a book. And I asked mum and dad, I said, what decisions did you make at the point you'd heard I've been born with cerebral palsy, mm-hmm. something that you couldn't control, something that you did not expect, something there was no book for? And they said to stay true to the dreams that inspired us to be parents. Oh, wow, what a beautiful statement. You know, as a parent, the dream was to have a kid that would play football. So when it came to me saying, hey, can I play soccer? But I was like, yeah, absolutely, get out there. And in fact, that sport, doing cricket, doing soccer, um, <laughs> doing the egg and spoon race where my dad put a bit of chewing gum on my spoon. <laughs> but doing, doing all of that stuff, was instead of doing physio, because for me, doing physio every single day after school didn't really have a meaning. Why did I need to be more flexible? Why did I need to be stronger? But as soon as I had my sport, I had a reason for doing all those things. Really? Really? So I remember I had a a tree hut, you know, and my tree hut was bigger, more gnarly than any other tree (laughs) hut. You know, good Kiwi attitude, um, big, big long rope ladder. And when people came over, they'd look at my tree hut and they'd look at me and the way I walk and they'd say to mum and dad, do you really let Cam go all the way up there? What if he falls? To which mum and dad responded, but what if he made it to the top? Mm. Right? And there were some times when I did fall over, but for getting back up, I built resilience. And so when it came to being that kid at school, who was a little bit different, you know, Cindy Lauper says, show your true colours, and that's why they love you. And so that's what I did. I realised that people wanted to feel good. People wanted to laugh. People wanted to feel cool. So at school, I'd go up to kids, and I'd say, look, I can't skateboard because my balance isn't as good as yours. So I'd give them a compliment, make them feel good. Um, but I have my scooter. And with my scooter, I can go wherever you go. And it's amazing. When you break down those barriers, friendship was never a problem. And a lot of people assume it was. But mm-hmm. I think when you're different, you've got to step outside your comfort zone into the comfort zone of others. And sport and physical activity, for me, was how I did that. And was it hard at first? You know, because it's, it's, it's obviously what you had is you had experiences that taught you that this approach is a really good approach and allows you to kind of break down those barriers that maybe you would have had to face. You know, because I get it, kids are cruel. And um, and the problem with all the, when you've got like cerebral palsy is it's such an obvious difference, you know. Yeah. And so, um, so was that something you had, to, I know this is a long time ago, but was that something you had to kind of dip your feet in and figure out or did you kind of just always have a good attitude? Um, I know that it was a long time ago, but we, we always learn lessons from, from when we were young, right? Mm-hmm. You know, even speak today in front of audiences all over the place, I talk about what young Cam and what he would do. I think I had, I had a couple of benefits. One benefit was I was born this way. So yeah. I don't want to be different, right? Yeah. So all I had 
was my dreams. And I, I, I just wanted life to be a reflection of those dreams. And I don't know what it was that made me realise that things aren't always going to be easy, but why would you let those challenges get in the way of who you wanted to be? I wanted to be that popular kid at school. I wanted to be a successful in sports. So I saw it as my responsibility, no one else's responsibility, to do all the things that I had to do. And, you know, people might be thinking, yeah, but really? But the thing is, we can so easily get comfortable with comfortable. And you've got to step outside that comfort zone. And when you do, the most incredible things can happen. You know, when you do, the person who walks funny and talks funny can turn both of those, you know, like we'll get to this later, but I'm sure part of the reason I'm on this podcast is I've represented our country in sport and I've become speaker of the year and those two biggest challenges have become my passport, just travelling the world. Mm. And so I always, when I was a kid, I didn't know what I wanted to be, right? but I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to travel, I wanted to entertain, and I wanted to connect. And so whenever opportunities came up that might take me there, I said yes. So, so in some ways it, it built this kind of, um, I need to make it within myself and have the courage to be the person I want to be. And you, you basically built the life you wanted to be by making tough choices along the way. It made you wake up in a place where you have achieved some massive things along the way. Yeah, yeah. If, if something excited me, you know, if, and and I, I looked at how I could make that happen, you know. Mm. That's why dream big, achieve more. When I was as a ten, okay, so it wasn't always easy. And like mm. as a teenager, it was it was tough because teenager, I changed environment. I went into a school where I wasn't with the kids that I, I'd grown up with. Um, I was, I'd moved from small town Hawke's Bay to big city of Auckland, always changes. Plus I'm a teenager, right? Just yeah, going yeah. normal teenage stuff. And I remember there were some days when it got really, really dark. And I said to myself, I got support, but what enabled me to embrace that support was my dream. And I was like, I never want to give up on what I know I could become deep, deep down. I don't really know what that is, but I know that I want to live this incredible life where I do get to travel, where I do get to entertain, and where I do get to connect. And as a kid, I had lots of glimpse, glimpses of that, you know, playing, getting play of a day in cricket, you know, like stuff like that gave me confidence that if I really want something, I can achieve it. Mm, so you built your confidence and it helped you open up your own possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Believe in yourself so much. And I know we hear that, but and if you do that and you have that dream, and that's the thing, like I think we can think of dreams, um, we can underestimate the power of our dreams, really. I've got a question for you because one thing that's, I've got a friend whose child is transsexual um, and they've kind of, you know, they've, they've gone from being a female to a male, or, yep. you know, have you going to reference it nowadays? But one thing I was talking to the, this, this kid about was 
how kind of that's always the discussion. You know, like for them, like, you know, like no one ever talks to me about my sexuality. And for yeah. them in their their life, a lot of their discussion is around, you know, that's that's the kind of stamp that gets put on you. And this this yeah. kid's an amazing kid and it's very talented in lots of different areas, but it's kind of like that's always the go-to conversation. Yeah. And, and and there's a much more deeper person behind just this yeah. one part of their life. And and is that something you've had to because you know, because you because your disability is a you yeah. know, a physical thing, uh, yeah. Know, and, I, and I know you've obviously created so much success in so many different areas, and, and there's so many dimensions to Cam that's more interesting yeah. just than, than the, the thing you were yeah. born with. What, 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 how do you work around that? When, when yeah. you know, that's um, yeah, I think you articulated that really well because I think when I look back on it, part of a driver to having these big dreams in life was to give some, give people something else to focus yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so making it obvious that, so when I was at high school, you know, I didn't want to become the dude with cerebral palsy. Yeah. I became the athlete. And, yeah. and, and, and then, I, but then I realized that I also had to be a bloody good athlete in order for that to almost become a title mm. that would shine brighter than the cerebral palsy. So that became... So it was almost like you felt you needed a higher standard than just your everyday athlete because it's like, really? for me and to take over, okay, okay. But so high for myself in everything I do because that's, that's how I'll be able to showcase that people in general are much more than what we perceive at a clutch. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I get it. We all have our labels. Like I, I did Ironman triathlon for years and people, yeah. the first question I always get was how's training, you know, and that's because yeah. it's the box I was seen in. And, um, yeah. and now I'm a much more multidimensional person. So some people ask me how's training. Some people ask me how my band's going. Some people ask me how business is going and it's yeah. that, you know, there's many aspects to the person, um, but yeah. it's just, yeah, just, it's a really interesting. So a part of your driver was to actually be seen as more than just this kid who was born with this thing. Yeah. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. And, it was, and it was a real conscious decision based around the areas that you were interested in. Yeah. 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 Wow. And so then how did you work on getting that level of respect? By, yeah, so by, by making those dreams happen, right? Yeah. Cause, um, Everyone else has a. Yeah, Are you there? Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, making those dreams happen because I realised that people, all people of all abilities and all cultures have dreams and goals and aspirations. And if you can be out there seeing to do it, man, that's going to inspire people, encourage people. So let's, let's, let's talk about your athletic career. So you've represented the country. I, I, I know a little bit about you, Cam. I don't know a huge amount. So what yeah. was your sport yeah. and what, was, what were your achievements? Uh, 100 and 200 metres in uh, the World Championship. So I was aiming to the Paralympics and a bit of politics got in the way. So I got <laughs> That's the interesting thing with sport, you know, there's, there's the stuff that people say, you know, when there's the yeah. stuff that you as an athlete. Um, so definitely aspiring towards the um, Paralympics, finished fifth in the 100 metres at World Champs wow. and the 200 metres, um, running some pretty cool times and um, and did that full time, full time from the age of 15 to 25. Wow. So got me through school. Um, I got into it as a 15 year old because I was on the 
Um, so 12, 13 years of age was when I was going through a bit of a dark patch. And I knew that sport would be my my outlet. So I got into skiing and all this stuff. And then I went to Rangi Toto College with Terenzo Bazzoni, who yeah. you know from Ironman. And uh, T and I were in the same class. And it was a school athletics day. And a bit of paper was coming through. And I really wanted to put my name down. But inside my head was that voice saying, what will people think? What will they say? And um, I realised that you could only listen to one voice at a time, and I listened to Terenzo, and he said, just put your name down for, for the shortest event. And uh, that was the 100 metres, and I did it. And uh, I lost that race, as you can imagine. I, I ran it in something like 18 seconds, but as I ran down that track, People were saying, go Cam, go Cam, you can do it. And those words of encouragement just ignited a, a new chapter. And so the next day I called up to Renzo and said, let's go for a run. And he came and picked me up and I thought he'd pick me up in his car, but I didn't realise that he'd uh, ran to my house. And then we had about a, a 4K run up to the track and that was our warm-up and <laughs> think about Point I realised that the short distance stuff was for me. <laughs> walking away, and I was just focusing on my survival. Um, and then, been six months of training really hard, training with alongside some of the best athletes of that generation, uh, but base Cougars, um, North North Harbour Club, um, North Harbour Athletics, um, went off to uh, the juniors. Junior Paralympics and won gold in both the 100 and 200 metres, and just the the career kind of blossomed from there. So, so you obviously, came you've obviously been very successful because you won Speaker of the Year. You've made a career out of speaking, as you said. You know, your two limits were your physical and your speaking, uh, yep. and and you've been you know huge huge success in both. How do you approach growth, and how do you how do you, how come you're so successful? Um. I surround myself with people that inspire me even more. So in 2019, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and I was 19,000 feet and I'd never done anything like climb Mount Kilimanjaro before. I hate the idea of walking for that long, you know, it's a five-day climb up and two days down. But I thought this is a pretty cool thing to do. And so I emailed people that inspired me that don't that I don't get to spend a lot of time with, inviting them on the trip of a lifetime. And from that email, 19 people said yes. And these are people who had performed with Pink, Madonna, Kylie Minogue, people who had 10 years ago been broke and within 10 years built multi-million dollar companies. Um, doing incredible things. And I asked all of them who were already my mates, I said, at what point or what made you become the success that you are today? And they all said, at the point of getting comfortable, we push ourselves further. And I think that's the one thing that I related to because as much as being uncomfortable is scary, being comfortable, really, um, I don't feel like I'm living. I don't feel like I'm thriving unless I'm having to wake up each day and go, 
how do I make that shit happen? Okay. So you, so you've kind of learned to live in a place where you're, the uncomfortable is the place you understand this, where you're going to evolve and you challenge yourself to be in that place as, as often as possible in life. Because that's what awesome is all about, you know, yeah. and awesome is a word that I've, I've taken all over the world. It's in all my speeches, it's in all my photos. I have this big, big sculpture of it. And awesome. It's, in your hat. it's on his hat right now. I can see it on his hat. So. <laughs> awesome is because awesome is often the things that, are going to get your knees shaking, your butterflies flying. But when you get to yeah. the other side of it, yeah. you're going to be like, that was the best thing I've ever done. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, recently, I, I, I've i talked about this on my podcast, but I'm I'm an adult musician. So, so you'll see my piano in the background, my keyboard in the background. Yeah. And, um, I've, I've learned piano as an adult. Um, and I've joined a band in the last kind of couple of years and we've started performing live. And, and I stand like you, I stand in front of people every day of my life. I'm comfortable. But when I was playing live, I've never been so scared in like 10 years. But it was, it was that moment, you know, it was that, that I'm alive right now, you know, and that's what it's all about, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It gives, you, it gives you a level of focus that you, you don't always have because you know that you've got to, you know, you've got to get to the other side. So, so you, 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 there's a state you like to get to. So you like to get to the place of uncomfortable because you know uncomfortable means stretching and stretching is awesomeness, as you like to call it. What about on the practical side? You know, you, 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 say, that you say to yourself, I want to become a speaker. I want to go into a comfortable place that gets, allows me to get there. How do you approach becoming a guy who ends up winning speaker of the year? You know, like how do you practically plan your growth and your success pathway? Um, so when I started speaking, I, obviously I was terrified. You know, I was the guy who, Talk funny, uh, even today, with having a career out of it. I'm aware that people who don't know me would be like, oh, one of my this guy does his job, you know? And how I approached it was I took my training as an athlete and I pivoted into my speaking. So I realised that if I could get really clear on what I wanted to talk about, so I would write down those speeches word for word, but I would write it from the perspective of every single person in the audience. So a bit like a kid at primary school, you know, it was about stepping out of my comfort zone and going, what does this audience want to hear? But I don't want to hear a story about a person with a disability. They want to hear something that's going to make them feel good. So how do I make my story do that for other people? And then... That is, it was training, you know. I'm not just getting up there and speaking words that come to my mind, you know. This is a full-time lifestyle choice of waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning to go to the bathroom and pretending that when you open that door, you're stepping out onto a stage. And if you were stepping out on the stage, what would you say at that point? Or you go, okay, it's quarter past the hour. I'd be quarter of an hour into my talk. What, what would I be saying at this point? And just continue, you know, visualization, you know, the, the reason I was able to get my time down from 18 seconds to 12 seconds is I would visualize that time. I would watch it and I would imagine where am I on the track? And, and that's how I got there. That's how I achieved it. So you kind of, you, you break down things to all levels and then you, and then you're really kind of quite meticulous around how to win each point of this journey. Yeah, break, breaking it all down, imagining what it's like at each of those points, you know, for climbing Kilimanjaro, 
okay, I knew at some point I was going to experience altitude sickness. What am I going to do to get through that, you know? Preparing for every part of the journey, um, you know, yeah, 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 for sure. When it comes to speaking, what kind of what kind of messages do you like your your audiences to take from you? Uh, so the the main one is the attitude of if something excites you, find a reason to say yes rather than the perceptions for saying no. And whether that's walking past someone on the street and thinking, oh, I wonder if I should say hello to that person. How often do you not say hello? How often do we limit? who we are because we worry about what people may think, what people may say. And as soon as we can stop worrying about what people may think or what they may say, it's okay to think about it, but we don't want it to cripple us. We don't want it, we, we don't want it to disable us. You know, I talk about the biggest disability in this real world is fear, fear of failure, fear of embarrassment. Um, but the more we experience that, the more resilient we become. So. When I started speaking in New Zealand, I heard that there was a speaker bureau. I was like, what the hell? What's a bureau? That sounds cool, but what is it? And someone said, oh, well, we'll pay you to speak. And I was like, oh, you mean you can get paid for doing this? <laughs> and they said, yeah, I mean, you can, you can make money. And so I went to that bureau and I said, um, cool, um, Cam, here's a video of my dog in. I've been doing this for two years. Um, can I be on your book? And they sent me an email. And in that email, it said, um, you will be on our database to receive our email. And I was like, no, no, no. I don't want to receive your email. I want to be in your email, right? Yeah, yeah. And I looked at all these people who were in there, and it was all blacks. It was politicians. It was TV personalities. It was people who were Chris Keynes, people who had been up on my wall as a kid and I looked at them all and I thought they've all got to the ultimate pinnacle of who they want to be and that's why they're getting booked as speakers. I was like, what would happen if I made my profile, my goal, my dream into becoming the best speaker that I could be, to be known as a speaker but inspired people to reach a whole new level of, of who they could be. And so instead of being scared or put off or seeing that as a rejection, I decided to move to New York. And I saw New York as being the most competitive place as a speaker for a speaker to be. And as Frank Sinatra said, if you can make it in New York, you can make it <laughs> in right? And so I went to New York. I used the network. I built connections. I ended up doing five speeches. I came back to New Zealand, um, that bureau accepted me, and we went from doing one speech a year to one speech a month, one speech a week, to, you know, ultimately doing four speeches a week all over the world and getting that award. And it was about just, again, turning rejection into affection. Look at why you're not getting what you want. Look at what people have done to get what they want or what you want, and then just go out and make it happen. Yeah, it's awesome, mate. You're a really good example. You, and that's what's so good about you is that your credibility is in your living, isn't it? Yeah. 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 You know, like it's, you've, you've done, you know, everything you're preaching is actually proof, proof by the fact that you're actually, 
you know, taking these moves, moving yourself overseas to get an opportunity to come back and actually just get an opportunity. You know, yeah. like, you, you know you're doing the work, aren't you? you? You do the work and you enjoy it and you make people feel good and great things can happen. Now, just going back to, to the cerebral palsy, do, do, I'm just kind of curious, and this is me just being curious here, have drugs helped, with, like as technology and drugs help your everyday life or is it pretty much the same as what it was when you were a kid now? No, man. So there is no technology. There is no drugs. Okay. What you see is what you get. You know, okay. it's not after him shoving things down my throat or anything yeah. like that. No, no. I'm just kind of curious because I'm. Yeah, no, no. And that's why I answered it like that because a lot of people. And to be fair, to be very fair, cerebral palsy affects people in in real different ways. So the reason in which I've got it is that um, during birth. There is a, uh, um, there is a confusion, there is a delay in time, there is a cut of oxygen to the cerebral oh, part of okay. for a little, so my brain function operation is, you know, normal, but the way in which the messages been traveled from my brain around my body get disrupted. But the difference between, say, me and you with the cut of oxygen, you're talking like this in a... One hundredth of a second, right? Yeah, and yeah. be someone who would be in a wheelchair, fully like unable to talk, unable to walk. And again, the difference between them and me is like you're not talking about much, yeah. but it's that part of oxygen um, as a kid. Some people will get it as an adult through an accident, um, and and unfortunate, a lot of people will have cerebral palsy and something else, you know, and epilepsy and, okay. um, yeah. So. And, and unfortunately for you, you just have the cerebral palsy. I just have what you said, you know, it's just the way I walk, the way I talk. And, uh, and it does, it gets better, the more comfortable and confident I get. So that's the cool really? thing. When I'm speaking on stage, you know, people will naturally see the progression of, um, you know, from not being able to pick up a glass of water because that might spill at the beginning of a talk yeah. to pick two glasses of water. So, so if you're feeling really nervous or if you're underprepared or um, you're actually, the cerebral palsy will be more enhanced. Yep. yep. Oh. Be- and it makes sense, right, because cerebral palsy is a tightness of the muscles, right? Mm. So the more unprepared, the more scared, the more frightened you are, the tighter your muscles are going to be. If you're about to do a bungee jump, your muscles are probably way tighter than you are when you're at home watching a podcast. And so with cerebral palsy, that's what it is. So my muscles are just at a degree of tightness um, longer and more so than others. But if you do sport, if you do flexibility and stretching, that's going to get better, you know? As a speaker, you're constantly stretching these muscles. So I'm sure that being a speaker has been a great um, training for me in my cerebral palsy. And I'm sure also learning to deal with those kind of emotional states where nerves and that are in place, learning how to kind of emotionally get yourself in a, in a relaxed state has helped in everyday life as well. Yeah, and you do that for breathing, right? And yeah. like. Never underestimate the power of breathing. I, you know, I still forget about it, but it's amazing. If you breathe, you will feel more relaxed. Do those. Well, one question. One question I like to ask people who kind of 
help others is currently what is the thing that you do struggle with? You know, like, you know, like we, people like you and I, we, we kind of get to be leaders and we kind of get to stand in front of people. And um, just what's maybe that thing that is still the work on for you? Um, so right, right now, uh, this COVID environment, right, is that I've never, ever had anything happen where I'm out of control of what I can do, you know, taking away the cerebral palsy. Yeah. People say, Cam, you can't speak with us. I go, cool, I'll, I'll, go, I'll, I'll, I'll take that as a challenge and I'll go and speak in New York. Yeah. I can't do something like that now, you know, and maybe I can, but it's just a deeper level of thinking, how are we going to get through this next little while? But what I remind myself is energy, energy, energy. Being in control of that energy is really easy to go from news to press conference to, you know, mm-hmm. getting in a bubble of, holy shit, this world is out of control, to being like, okay, let's confine that, let's get the information we need. But, you know, as soon as this happens, you know, overnight all my work disappears, right? Whenever we go into a lockdown, every single job disappears. And I go, shit, we've just bought a house. We've, you know, we've got all this stuff. And then I go, well, I, the first thing I do is I email every single person I've spoken to um, as a client and just say, hey, you know, send them some inspiration, give stuff away, make people feel good and trust that in turn you feel good and then you start getting clarity of what is possible or you start realising that maybe you don't need as much as you thought you needed. Mm-hmm. So, so even though you have the tough time, you try to figure a process out of it and it helps you put your perspective back in place. Look, I, I think the biggest dream, you know, we can have all these big dreams. We can want to be the biggest, best athlete in the world. We can want to go and do that triathlon. We can want to go and win a gold medal over there. The biggest dream of all, you know, is life. And I don't think you can ever, you know, Let's not underestimate that. You know, once his life is gone, it's gone. So how do we just see everything else as being a part of that journey? How do we look back on what's happening now and go, man, it's going to be awesome. You know, how do we make COVID awesome, you know, by getting to the other side of it? Because everyone's knees are shaking. Everyone's butterflies are flying right now. I've got a question for you as an athlete. First of all, so you said you got to 12 seconds in your sprint. Yeah, 12.24. Jeez, that's pretty good. Um, and for those people who don't understand sprinting, that's, that's, that's smoking. That's not, that's not a walk in the park. That's actually smoking. Um, yes. So you shifted from being an athlete to focusing on your speaking career. Yeah. Um, what, is, what is movement in your life now? And how did you find that transition away from being an athlete? Yeah. So um, I'll... One thing I love is competition. Yep. I love it. And I got to a point where um, I didn't want my competition in life to be determined by the abilities of my cerebral palsy, yep. but were governed by who I am as a human being. And I knew I was starting to get this feeling that I could be a speaker, right? And so when I looked at that, yep, you can be on our email. And I looked at all those people that were on that email. I was like, those are the guys and girls and people I want to be competitive with, not in terms of beating them, but yep. 
pretty awesome standing on the same stage as Sir Graham Henry or Nadia of them, you know, and these people. So um, that's what competition looks like for me. And then in terms of sport, it's about uh, keeping the, uh, a head and fo- a, a fit and healthy mind, you know. So it's about going for the walks. It's about being physically prepared for um, opportunities mm. that come up. Because it is interesting because I, you know, I'm still working fitness. I'm still very, very active, but I, you know, I wouldn't call myself an athlete nowadays. I'm more just a fit guy. Um, But it is, you know, that transition away from sport where that's been your whole focus. And ultimately I think what you're saying is the different focus. So your main focus was to shift that kind of competitive nature to your speaking. And then the shift of movement became more of a, a lifestyle. Yeah. But that, so that shift, that shift was really scary because all my life, it was built around Canberra. You know, all the people in my life, course in my life, you know, I, I was I was one of the first athletes to be part of the um, Peter Snell Academy. You know, oh, my Louis yeah. Adams and Trenzo Bersani were the first three. I had this incredible life around me. I had sponsorships, and I, and at this point, I was like, I don't actually want this anymore. You know. When I was beginning as a speaker, I was telling people, well, I'm not going to stop until I have that Paralympic gold medal. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to let anything get in my way. And so now when I was starting to think of something else, I was like, shit, will anyone ever believe me? Have I just, you know, duped all these people? And I remember I went and met with a mentor. This is why mentors are so important. And this was a guy that I'd met through my sport. So... I was packing myself as to what this conversation would be. And he said, Cam, people don't support you for what you do. They support you for who you are. And those words, and I think a lot of um, top sports people and people high performing would actually realize that, um, yeah, this this, this sport, this who we are, this, this identity, does not have to overwrite who we are, which goes back to, uh, I guess, you know, when you started talking about your friends' kids, you know, and a lot of the conversations about with sexuality, but that's not who they are, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's still, is not who I am. Being an all-black is not who an all-black is. It may be a part and a big part and an obvious part, but there's so many other layers to every person. Actually, interesting. I, on my other podcast, I interviewed Hamish Carter last week. And, yeah, cool. uh, and he was saying how one of the downfalls of being an Olympic gold medalist is people just always see you in that box, you know, yeah. and, and it's kind of like this discussion we've had here. There's, there's so many more dimensions to him as a person. And uh, and he says, and he says he understands why and he, and he appreciates that. And he doesn't, he was kind of resistant to talk about it, but I kind of pushed, but um, because it was kind of like, I don't want to diminish the importance of this and how cool it is in my life, but it is, it is, it can be tough because people just see you as that one thing. And, and, and obviously Hamish Carter is more than just an Olympic gold medalist. He's this man who has many dimensions. Um, it's just, it's just interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And I guess that would be a really cool takeaway. I guess that's part of the underlying message of a lot of my speeches, although I don't obviously point it out, but it is that thing of always put the person 
first, yeah. you know? Yeah. And if we can do that as a society, you know, when they talk about people, you know, disabled, you often hear like, it's a disabled person, and it's not a disabled person, you know, it's a person with a disability. Maybe he can't play soccer, but, you know, that's okay. There's yeah. some really other things that person could do. Yeah, totally. You offer so much more than the fact he can't play soccer. Um, just this lastly, uh, what would you say to somebody who's in a bit of a rut right now? Because obviously we've got COVID, we've got, you know, it is a, it is a challenging time. So, or maybe just want to make some change in life. What would be just, you know, your words of wisdom around that? Yeah, it would be, you know, holding on to those dreams, those big, gnarly, cool dreams and believe in them and visualise that and work towards who you want to be and do that through talking with people and 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 having the goal of every day of, of controlling your energy, how you feel. Mm. And if that's dancing around in your pyjamas or doing, you know, like, Energy creates energy, so look for as many ways as you can to create that positive energy. And by just sitting upright, taking in a deep breath, yeah, yeah awesome. and be, be, be gentle to yourself. You know, the, the, the benefit of, of where we are right now is that everyone's going through the same thing, so there should be no shame, there should be no embarrassment if you want to talk about it. Talk about it. Yeah, awesome. Hey, if people want to follow you or if they want to get you to talk, give us the plug. Oh, cheers, man. So just uh, my website, you know, which I'm sure you'll put in some yep. deep show notes. Yep. Um, show notes. And then I'm, I'm on uh, Instagram, LinkedIn for the professional people and, uh, and, and Facebook, Rosa the domain, and some stuff on YouTube. You know, if people want to see some of what I do and some of the audiences I've spoken with, it's all up there on YouTube. And, uh, yeah, just um, share, share the awesomeness. Make people feel good. That's yeah. all I'm able to do. I, I, I think you're doing a pretty great job, mate. It was really awesome talking to you. Keep up the good work. And, uh, again, I'll put the, the links to Cam's work and uh, his website in the show notes if you want to check him out. You go there. Thanks for your time, mate. Cheers, Bevan. Thank you. I wasn't wrong, was I? That guy, wow, what an inspiration. Um, just just an example of, of successful mindset, really, isn't it? You know, when you think about his approach, his attitude, his commitment, um, yeah, just, I was, I was so impressed with him. And, and it was one of those interviews, you know, sometimes as a podcaster, you get interviews which you kind of just, you know, you think are passable fear, and then you get interviews which you go, Geez, that that you, you end up thinking about a lot after the fact. And I know I actually did this interview a few weeks ago, but I know when I did the interview, um, I just yeah it was yeah the next night I was thinking about it. Just some just just attitude, great stuff. So um, I'll put a link to Cam's website in my in the show notes for this if you want to kind of check him out. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I just think he's such an inspiration to. For, for everyone who it's around the perspective and attitude it's just absolutely fantastic uh, anything else to talk about one thing I will just quickly talk about 
is uh, New Zealand. We, New Zealand, we've been so lucky in, in this COVID times because we've had it pretty easy. Uh, and I'm actually recorded this one a couple of weeks ago. I've kind of done a few podcasts ahead of time, so I'm recording this like at the beginning of September. So I know it won't be coming out till probably late September. But I've, so I'm, I'm actually still in lockdown right now. Now, fingers crossed, by the time you hear this, we're, we're well out of lockdown. But it's just really interesting thinking about what this time creates, and it does create a lot of anxiety. And I know New Zealand's been a bit different because we've kind of had it easy for most of the COVID experience and a lot of people around the world have had it a lot longer, a lot worse than we have. Um, but just just one thing to remember is anxiety is, and I was speaking to one of my clients the other day about this actually, and he brought this up and I thought it was a really good point, is that anxiety is worrying about tomorrow, worrying about the future. And it's understandable in this time. And I, I have to admit, I've had anxiety through this time. And I'm someone who doesn't tend to have anxiety in my life because I've, I've always had this kind of always works out approach to life. You know, I've always had this kind of sheer, it always works out. It's one of my favorite sayings and my friends know I say it always works out. And, um, but the timing of this COVID hit my business really hard because it's like normally our busiest business, second busiest sales period of the year. And we basically just lost this whole sales period. Um, my wife and I have some investment properties around uh, tourism. So that, We've got no income from that, so it's just it's just been a tough time, and um, we're going to be fine, and we will get through this. But I have found myself getting in that place where I'm just a little bit stuck with a bit of anxiety, a bit of worrying about tomorrow. And the the thing to remind yourself is, if you get to that place, the better thing to do is deal with the emotion and try to create rational plans because all you can do is, is, is get to the controllables of today so you know we'd still need to think about you know for example with what's happening with tourism we still need to think about how we're going to manage this wisely but at the same time we do need to not let that ruin our lived experience right now and so it just it's just a really interesting thing to think about is if you are feeling anxiety, first of all, look for healthy emotional offloads in through this time. And you probably need to put them in a lot because anxiety can just build and build and build. And it can become quite debilitating. And then once you find those emotional offloads, then try to find some rational plans that give you a sense of how you would deal with those moments, but also how to deal with now. So... You know, if, if, if A happens, what will I do? If B happens, what will I do? So that at least if you, you, as you look to tomorrow, you, you kind of know, okay, well, I've got this. I've got options at least. And here's the best path that I can take in each option. But also then how do I stay present in what I'm dealing with right now? Because that's just something to think about. So, yeah, it's just a tough time. I get it. It's a really tough time. Um... Other than that, if you want to support the show, please become a patron. Go to bevanjamesoz.com or .co.z, I think it's .com actually. Uh, go to podcast, support me, go through the Patreon process. For those people who are patrons, thank you so much for the support you give of the show. You can also give feedback on your favorite podcatcher. If you want to get my little video clips, make sure you follow me on Instagram or Facebook. Or uh, you can also go to keepactivewithbevan.co.nz. I put my videos up every week. Other than that, I'll be back in a couple of weeks with another Bevan show. As always, keep being you.